Hi everyone! Welcome to How to College for First Gens, our podcast where we get together over some coffee to have real conversations about what it's like to be a first generation student before, during, and after college. If you are a new listener, our goal here is to democratize knowledge that we've gained along the way, learn a bit more about being first gens, and hopefully help others going through some of the challenges we've experienced by sharing lessons learned from fellow first gens. I am Mijan Han, one of the podcast hosts, a first generation college student myself, who has also experienced the roller coaster of this journey. Today we'll be discussing the topic of first gens in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, also known as STEM. We will begin with a high school student who plans on studying a STEM major in college, especially engineering. And next, we'll talk to a student that is currently in college and majoring in environmental science. And lastly, we will wrap up our conversation with a post-college student who studied cognitive science in college and what that experience was like as a first-gen student. Let's get started. Hi, man. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. Hi, it's nice to be on the podcast with you too. So can you first introduce yourself a little bit to the audience, please? Yeah, I'm Man Abdelhamid. I am a junior from Victor J. Andrew High School. So I was born here in the U.S., but basically I stayed here for from preschool to third grade, and that's when I began to learn English. And then I moved to Palestine where from fourth to sixth grade, I learned Arabic and I was able to meet my family, my relatives, and all those people and get to know them better. And then I moved back from Palestine from seventh grade until now to continue learning English and then hopefully go to college and get a degree. Thank you for telling us a little bit about your background. And it seems really interesting that you grew up in two different countries and you know two different cultural and other experiences. So currently, where are you in your college application journey? Currently, I would say like, I'm just, just looking for colleges at this point. I'm not applying yet, any of that kind of stuff. I have applied to an internship so I can like make my resume look better. Some details about that internship. It's a Fermilab internship. I believe like it's called Target. Basically, I think you just do kind of like a, with a workshop, but you also kind of help out the professors and like the the people at the laboratory there with some other basic stuff, but it's mostly like a learning experience rather than like an actual internship. Seems like you're already on a great track to get ready for college. So currently, are you a junior in high school? Yeah. So are there some classes that you were taking this semester that or you have taken in the past that you feel like you really enjoyed or has been helping you prep for college a little better? Well, yeah, I think probably like the most obvious stuff are like probably honors and AP classes. But then there are other resources such as like in my school, what they offer is like a trailblazers where they introduce more stuff about colleges. Like, for example, they allow college visits, well, virtual college visits, just information about what this college is. And then we I think junior year, we were supposed to do a project. We start to look for our, what our career choices are, or like what we were going to do, like if it's going to be going to medicine or doing engineering or that kind of stuff. And then after after we find our career in first semester, second semester, we start to look for colleges. And then we were supposed to do that this um, this year, but like because of all the stuff going on, like the pandemic, it kind of made the things a bit harder. So, but we still, we still, we're still on track on doing that. We are, but it's not as like, as like involved as like we were supposed to be. So yeah. And then I think also if you're going to be taking AP classes, just make sure that 
you take like AP classes that you that you know are going to be useful in college. For example, taking maybe like AP physics would be more beneficial than taking maybe like a random class that you that's not that's not going to be on like it's not going to be like one of the core classes that are required in college. But like make sure you take some core AP classes because those are going to be pretty beneficial in college. Makes sense. And in terms of I know that your Trailblazer class I think you had a little bit of, you know, difficulty because of the pandemic and taking that class and everything. But have you maybe thought of what you might want to study in college? Well, but this was like from a long time ago. I always wanted to go into the engineering field because I've always had an interest in like building stuff, tinkering and like like stuff with computers and stuff like that. So, I think I'm probably going to go into maybe something in computers or or maybe maybe there could be a possibility I could go into a different engineering field but it's most likely going to be with computers I love working with computers specific um degree that I might be taking I don't exactly know it's maybe it might be computer science maybe probably not IT but if that could be a possibility but it's not I'm not expecting to get into IT but it's most likely going to be maybe computer engineering something like that I've all, I've looked into other careers, architecture. I took a CAD class in high school, CAD one. Initially, I thought that was going to be my career choice. And just because I always, when I was younger, I always liked to build stuff with Legos. And I thought maybe it would be a great idea to explore what it would be like for architecture. I tried out CAD. It was interesting, but it didn't really catch my attention that much. So it, so I'd never really pursued any more extra CAD classes. So I just only took CAD 1 instead of CAD 1 and 2. I also I also had a very brief moment of time where I was interested in like getting into surgery. I wanted to do that like for like because because back in biology, we used to, we started we started doing dissections and stuff like that of fish and frogs and like other insects. And I enjoyed doing that. So I started to go looking into it a bit. And then after maybe a month or two, I lost interest. And then I kept going for, I, I just went back to engineering instead. And so far it has been, so far I haven't been interested in anything else other than computer, computers and engineering. It, it's most likely going to be going to, that, going to that path. You briefly mentioned that your uncle was a figure. Actually, my uncle was a very influential figure in my in pursuing my careers because my uncle lives in Palestine. When I moved back to Pal, when I moved to Palestine back in fourth grade, I think he worked at a, as a computer engineer, software engineer. Yes, software engineer. And he showed in because he he loved the STEM field and everything related to STEM field. He he always had some sort of hobby that he like. He had a bunch of electronic systems that he worked with. He also liked like coding, obviously, and then some some other stuff that was related to the STEM field. And he always showed me the careers that were available that I could take, even though he never had the opportunity to take it. Software engineering back in Palestine isn't as as big of a, a job as it is here in the United States. Palestine is not exactly the most developed nation. So there's not that much demand for software engineering as it is like for example in in silicon valley in california so yeah he he has been a very influential person for me i i've always had like a, a spark for engineering but he he was able to like bloom my interest for engineering further and he just exposed exposed me to the to all the opportunities he showed me 
all the different branches of engineering, mechanical engineering, software engineering, architectural engineering. But he introduced me to all of them and he was able to like expose me to all the different possibilities that I can pursue once when I get older. Thanks for sharing the story of how your uncle was able to help you navigate a little bit more of what you might want to study later on and also maybe pursue as a career. So you did mention that your main focus would be anything related to computer science or something in that line. So are you thinking of becoming a software engineer down the road? Software engineer, there could be a possibility. I mean, I'm not going to specialize in software and engineer, but I'll probably like coding and, and making software will probably be very important for me because computers and, and software all just go together. I'm going to be taking a, a coding classes and stuff like that. I'm not going to be specializing in software engineering like my uncle. I'm going to be pursuing something like a bit more, uh, maybe like hardware computers, like instead of like software. It really depends. It's right now. I'm not like exa- I haven't pinpointed down what exactly I want to be doing in my in the computer field. But I'll probably be doing a combination of both because they're both very intertwined together. That you're probably going to be needing to to learn both of them, which is also important to just make sure you expose yourself to other engineering classes. In my, that's in my case. Make sure to expose yourself to uh, like many other things, so so that you're always so we always know that. Uh, this branch of engineering for like for me is going to be for you or it's not going to be like for you like for example i i took cad one i thought i initially thought i was going to be pursuing that as my actual career but after like taking the class i kind of lost interest so that's why it's very important to make sure you're taking like a variety of classes instead of just taking just one class because you never know maybe you might be maybe you might reach college and then you just lose interest for some reason and then you're stuck with this major that you're already that you're stuck with and you have to pursue that's why you're always it's always important to just make sure you take a a variety of classes and it doesn't have to be just engineering you could always take maybe like art classes or you can take medical classes or stuff like that you can just make sure you just you always allow yourself to have a variety of different experiences it's very important i think that's a great advice that it's always easier to figure out what you like or what you want to do versus what you don't want to do or you don't like when you actually give it a go and try it out talking about trying different things out then were there any other majors Besides engineering that you have considered? If architecture is underneath engineering, then probably no. Like medical, like even though I had a brief phase of just like being interested in surgery, it wasn't, I didn't explore it as much as I should have, but I also lost interest in it, in it, in it very soon. I never, it's, it, it, it was only like something that just piqued my curiosity, but then I also just lost interest in it in a, in a very, in very, very quickly. But I think probably maybe something that Another thing that probably piqued my interest is probably, it, I don't think it's part of engineering. Astronomy, I've always liked like space, things about like our solar system and like stuff like that. I've always liked that. I, back in middle school, we actually did a, like, a career cruising project where we, where we basically searched up, researched a bunch of careers that we could search up, we could find. And then we had a website where we, plugged in on our interests like for example do you like building stuff do you like dancing or do you like being creative and stuff like that and then it gives you a result of which which careers that might suit you best and then I had I think astronomy as one of my careers that it would suit me and I researched that and I was interested in it and I liked it for a while I think I liked it for three four months that was actually more than the surgery phase 
and I thought I was going to go into it, but then I realized astronomy requires a lot of education, and like you think you need to get like a PhD, a master's degree, and a bunch of other stuff. I didn't want because like I think it's like ten years or twelve years of education, which is around the same thing as like becoming a doctor. So, and I also realized that the pay isn't as good. I think it's like hold on, I think it was eighty two thousand per year, which is good, but considering that you're studying this for 10 to 11 years, 10 to 12 years, and you also got different jobs, like working as a doctor, which probably could pay up to $200,000 a year. It's not really a career that you want to pursue if, if you're going to be spending that much time, like that much effort into it, but you get little reward. Uh, after I realized how little the pay is, I kind of just decided to not pursue astronomy. So then I went back to engineering. You bring up a good point about certain majors or certain careers requiring different level of education, which can be anywhere between four years to 10, 10 plus. It really all depends. And talking about having your academic timeline related to what you want to major in or what you might want to do after graduating, have you considered what you might want to study while deciding how to set out your college plans? Well, in my case, I'm just going to be pursuing mostly engineering colleges or STEM colleges. The majority of the colleges I looked in the trailblazer things, they were mostly engineering colleges. And I think one of the colleges I researched was Illinois Institute of Technology. I think that's what it was. We only did a very, very surface level research of it. And we did a brief presentation of what the school provide, how big the school is, kind of like the very basic things. So that's what I pretty much did. I'm always open to other colleges that might not be engineering, but they are very good colleges. But yeah, most likely I'm going to be going to a college that just specializes or has a main focus on just engineering. Thank you so much for sharing your story about your family and also your academic plans and career aspirations. On that note, do you have any other advice that you might want to share to other fellow first generation students wanting to pursue STEM in the future? One thing I would greatly recommend is to make sure that you're always looking for opportunities outside of your high school. Because although high school has amazing opportunities, they provide clubs like, for example, in, in my school, they provide robotics, like science clubs, stuff like that. But make sure that you're always keeping an eye out for opportunities outside of high school. For example, there might be internships that might be going on, like in my case, or there might be workshops that might be going on, like, for example, Freshman year, I found out about this workshop that, like a woodworking workshop, that during the summer, you go to that workshop and you just learn the basics of woodworking. So just make sure you're always keeping an eye out for opportunities outside of just your high school. And then also make sure that you're making connections with other teachers and professors. Those are very important because I've realized that when I was applying to the internship I just mentioned, they required letters of recommendation, uh, making sure that you're always like have a really good connection with your teachers. It doesn't have to be just one teacher. Make sure you're being like very well connected with many teachers, not just one, because I needed to write two letters of recommendation. One was for math and then one was for a science teacher. I always had a very good connection with my science teacher as I had a biology teacher that was basically friends. I always had him, but I was surprised by the fact that they needed a math teacher as well. Make sure you're always having good connections with teachers, regardless of what you may think you might need them or not. I guess probably the basic stuff, like make sure you're taking like AP or honors classes, if you can do that, a lot of service hours. And also uh, make sure you're getting awards. It doesn't have to be something big, 
It can be something as small as getting 100 service hours as a certificate. Those small awards just go a long way in making you look really good in your resume. Make sure you're also like involved in sports and club. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And I hope you enjoyed being a guest on the show as well. Hi, Ray. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show today. Hi, Mejin. Thank you for having me. I think we'll start a little bit about sharing some things about yourself. Uh, well, first, my name is Raimundo Bello, or just Ray. I was born in Hidalgo, Texas, but lived most of my life in Mexico. I started attending school in the United States in seventh grade when my father decided that he wanted me to move to the United States to get a better education from then onward. He would just get up at five in the morning with me and cross me over the border to go to school. Currently, I am attending Cornell University studying environmental sustainability sciences. I am getting a degree specialized in ecology and biology. And the reason I got that degree was actually just because I stumbled into it. I took a class on ecology. I liked it and it worked out. So that's what I'm doing right now. Wow, that's really cool. It sounds like your family really prioritized your education. And also, I'm quite curious about how you got to choose your major. I know that you stumbled upon it, but can you tell us a little bit more about what your major actually is? Definitely. So I am studying environmental sustainability sciences, which basically refers to a study of the environment. In my field, it refers to ecology and basically how different aspects of the environment interact with each other, both biotic and abiotic factors. And from there, you able to try to make sure, well, we don't mess it up even further through various facets, research, apply it in different aspects like banking, policy, science, and all the like. Personally, I'm doing more on the slightly research, but more on the just spreading the word, basically, seeing as I have worked as a teacher and the like for STEM. How I got into it, first, I will have to talk about how I got into Cornell, which is which in itself like was kind of just, it just happened. What happened was that I was senior year applying to colleges to the common ad because my score required me to. And I saw MIT, I was trying to play MIT. I saw quite an interview. I didn't want to do an interview, so I clicked next. Cornell was there. I clicked apply, and it kind of just happened. Fast forward about a year, I'm moving on to Cornell. I don't know what does it take. I went in without a plan. Don't do that. And I just took a bunch of classes. One that really stood out to me was intro to ecology, because it just really clicked with me. The topics, the research, even the way the class was presented, it was all about getting to know ecology in its most basics and how it just basically everything has a relationship with each other and how everything interacts. And it just really enthralled me, especially because humans are changing that system even more. Fast forward, I like the class. I passed away in an upgrade. I just decided to apply to be a TA for it. It worked out in, when I was a freshman still. So I would say that I came in not really expecting much and it just was a class that really got my focus and I decided to get into it. Just I would say keep trying things and, until they work out. At least that's what happened to me. I kind of just applied and it kept working out. I definitely think there is a value in trying things out until you figure out what you like, but also what you don't like. And maybe that's similar to what you meant by some of the things not all working out, but you getting somewhere where you want to be. When you were in high school, then did you ever think that you would major in STEM when you go to college? Not at all. Like When I was in high school, I kind of was just coasting along. I didn't actually have many plans past go to college because the school I went to, IDFR, had this plan of everybody's going to college and through college, but I never actually put much thought into what am I going to do in college. Again, it kind of just happened. When I was in high school, my plan was really nebulous. Go to college, get a job. I didn't particularly have a field that I wanted to specialize in. 
until I hit college and I had that one class that just clicked with me alongside a few others like oceanography and related topics. It also helped that I learned that not all of STEM is for me. I, for the life of me, I cannot take organic chemistry. I really don't like it. But alas, it's not everything in STEM. There's different facets, there's physics, there's other aspects of ecology and the like. So even if I didn't like a certain section of STEM, all I did was take what I needed to be done with that section and then move on to what I actually like, which is how I got into ecology. Also, you briefly mentioned that you want to continue your passion for ecology and becoming a teacher, uh, spreading more students' mm-hmm. knowledge about ecology or STEM at large. How did you get passionate about that? That also kind of just happened because when I applied to be a TA my first semester of college. Again, I took the Intro to Ecology class. I just really liked it. And I saw that the professor giving it was offering an undergraduate position. And I applied to it because one of my friends told me, hey, why not? And I said, hey, why not? And I applied to it. I ended up getting it. And the semester afterwards, I was an undergraduate TA for that class. And from that, I usually like what I was doing. I was leading my own section. I was helping students answer the questions in class while the lecture was going on. I would help make the exams alongside the professor and the other TAs. It just clicked with me that I was in the field that I liked doing something that I enjoyed, which was just spreading the word. So quote unquote, not only that, but then afterwards, I kept pursuing similar stuff. That same summer, I applied to be a math teacher as a summer internship. It was not actually ecology, but it was still in the STEM field. Again, I just kept diving deeper into it. Even for non-STEM related stuff, I became a coach for the local high school debate team that was here in Ithaca. Coasted along through teaching. I never particularly saw myself doing it, but once I got into it, well, it worked out, which is kind of what I've been saying a lot. I think it's great that you have a very consistent theme of first, just try it out. And then second, see if you like it. And then third, if you do like it, and if you feel passionate about it, stick to it and keep on pursuing more opportunities related to it. Yes, I haven't taught only STEM, seeing as I was also part of the debate team at school, at here at college, and I've also helped in teaching that. So even though it's not STEM, I have been teaching that. So yes, I like STEM, but at the same time, I also like teaching. So they just happen to align. But of course, there's other ways to get into STEM, like people doing more research-oriented jobs or people actually actually getting data in the fields or all the other, or all the other aspects of it. For example, a, a friend of mine is not even doing STEM for the, for the ecology aspect. He's doing economics and he's an investment bank and he knows a lot of, well, math, math. Another friend of mine is doing earth sciences and she's studying the soils and doing the research aspect of it. So there's a different facet for for everything. So the general theme seems to be you are definitely passionate about teaching and STEM is a little bit more of a focus within that passion. Is that correct? I have tried them out. Some of them click more than others. Earth Sciences was originally my major before I decided to switch over to ecology. That's what I entered into Cornell with because I had to have something to get into. But then I took chemistry class and it all went downhill. So yeah, I have tried that. In terms of, for example, banking with my friend, he has been really interested in me trying investment banking with him. I want to try it out, see if it works out or not. I'm currently applying to different internships for investment banking, for teaching, for green energy companies. Honestly, whatever lands, I'll take it. I need a job. Have you considered those other aspects as well as maybe potential options at one point? No, definitely. Just because you're taking STEM doesn't mean you're rid of your humanities, of your of your Englishes, of your histories. There's still a bottom line you got to meet in, in order to be competent at whatever you're doing. Because even though you're crunching numbers, you got to know the context behind whatever you're doing. You got to know why do I want to know the acidity of the soil? Why? Because of the Anthropocene. Why do I care about the economy right now? Because of the history of capitalism or, so, or the like. So even though STEM is definitely more focused on the quote-unquote quali- quantitative aspects of it, you're still going to have some qualitative aspects as well because you need your context. Even as a scientist, you got to know how to pass on what, what you research. you got to learn how to communicate. 
This is really interesting to me because I thought when you get into STEM, you either pursue research or go more into academia, or you go get a job that's somehow related to it. But it seems like majoring in STEM doesn't really mean you just do something that sounds very STEM-y per se, but you could literally do almost anything. First off, was finding out what I wanted to do because, like, because well, again, I came in with no plan to college. It luckily worked out. So my first bump was figuring out, okay, I came into a college, I have no clue, and they threw classes at me. Let's see what I'm picking and what works out. So my first bump was definitely finding out what I want to do. Second one would probably have to be the classes themselves. Again, you want to find certain aspects of your major that you like or the aspects that you do not. The big part is that you're doing more of what you like rather than more of what you do not like. That's a big part. For example, for me, I started doing ecology with a research that was on chemistry because I thought it found it really cool. Then I took chemistry and I realized that I still like ecology. But I really don't like chemistry. So now I'm doing biology and ecology, which does still have aspects of chemistry, of course, but it's way more focused on the quote-unquote soft sciences. Now, regarding that, you also got to learn to deal with the hard and soft sciences. Here's the thing. People, when you say hard or soft, it does not, it does not equate to difficulty. It equates to what you're basically researching. Why? Because a hard science is something like physics. You, you're crunching numbers. Whereas the soft science is something like ecology or something like sociology, something, something like that, where you are, as, you are asking questions more pertaining to the people, to society, to the like. Stuff does not have a concrete answer. So that's what it means. It does not equate to difficult, which is something that has been taken into account in STEM. Just because you're taking a bunch of soft science classes, it's going to be a breeze. Or if you're taking a bunch of hard science classes, it's going to be all that hard, depending on who you are as a person. Maybe you're better at chemistry. Maybe you're better at sociology and the like. It is a very wide field. So yeah. Another bump would probably be just the fact that there's this STEM stereotype that you're doing research, you're going to be a scientist and the like, which is basically what most people envision STEM as. And it's something that I really ran into when I was doing other stuff. I am part of the Cornell debate team, and that field is populated by pre-law and me, the STEM person. Back when, before COVID, we would travel a lot, we would compete a lot. And every single time, I was probably the only STEM person in a room with seven other pre-law students in debate. Funny thing, I ended up being the champion anyways, but that's something else. So yeah, just because you are in STEM does not mean you have to be just relegated to that specific section. You can still do some humanities if you really like it. You, you can be a national debate champion. You can be somebody that is doing research and is the one writing the writing the articles and research in a way that is more more easy to communicate with other people. So yeah, I would say those would be the biggest hurdles I had. Finding out what I wanted to do really figuring out what I wanted to do within what I wanted to do because there's different ways to approach even what you like. And then you're overcoming the stereotype and STEM because you're not just going to be a scientist. You're not going to just be a bank. You're going to take your own approach to it. And there's different facets of it. You can you can be a field researcher. You can be a teacher. You can, and some other things that also fall into STEM. Were you able to bring some of your STEM experiences and knowledge into your debate career as well? In a way, because at least what the debate I do, you got to... Even if you don't fully know what you're doing, you can feel your way through it. In my case, I had a bit less problem with that in whenever they would give us scientific topics. But as soon as they mentioned policy, I had to feel my way through it. So it just brought a different perspective. It basically made it so that I, I did better in some aspects and struggled a bit more in others. Then if you did a major in ecology or earth science, do you think you would have majored in something else? Something that I have also been exposed to a lot is economics. And so maybe I would have gone that route. A friend of mine is an investment banker and he really wants me to go with him for some reason. So I would probably try, have at least tried it out, see, see if it worked or not. Other than that, maybe I would just have gone full on into teaching because, again, it kind of just worked out. It has clicked with me so far. And, well, if it's working, I don't see why I should change it. Of course, I would try some other stuff. But if 
if I'm really enjoying it, I don't see why I should not do it. And during your journey in ecology, have you met any mentors or someone that you thought, oh, I could emulate this person's experience? In a way, they have been varying degrees. I would say the biggest mentor I've had in ecology has been that first professor I mentioned for my ecology class because he gave me the opportunity to be a TA to just work with him closely for an entire year rather than just taking his class for one semester. Mr. St. Juliana was before applying for a TA ship. I never particularly interacted with him much. I took his class. I passed his class and stuff. But then after being a TA, he just really started to act with me. He would give me tips on how to be a better teacher. He would even help me out from time to time. Grant, granted, I now that COVID, I haven't really seen him around much because I'm stuck in my room. But but yeah, when I was a t- when I was a TA under him, he definitely helped me out a lot. He he would help me. He would introduce me to some uh, master students that also work with us, and they, and they would also help me out. So another thing that mentors can be, they don't have to be just faculty. They can be master students. They can be even your upperclassmen. A friend of mine, when I was a sophomore, he was a senior, and he just basically quote unquote adopted me. He would he would just show me a bunch of classes. He would even none of the stuff. He would just show me around Ithaca. So just because they're there mentoring one thing, necessarily relegate them to just that thing. They can help because well, he helped me with professional development, but he also helped me with just hanging out, being a friend. We would go eat weird places this one irish place that he showed me that is amazing and the like so yeah i would say in terms of mentors i would say my biggest mentor would be mr st juliana which was my uh professor for intro ecology and then some other minor ones have been up was a master student my upperclassman friend who is now graduated but we still keep in contact and the like so mentors can be found in many insights they can be, they can be professors they can be your upperclassmen they can be faculty it really it really depends on interacting with people Definitely, I think mentors come in various shapes and forms, and sometimes in the most unexpected way, you meet them and they end up being your mentor, which is great. Then have you ever considered going to research, considering how your professor was such a big inspiration to you? Definitely. I mean, he himself does a lot of research. I think his latest research was into Goebbels somewhere in South Africa, I think. I don't actually remember. It's been like two years. But it never particularly crossed my mind because... Again, chemistry just kind of scarred me. I cannot look at a lab and feel good about it. So it never particularly crossed my mind. But if it's something that somebody may think that may call to them, I don't see why not try it. Personally, I don't want to get close to labs as anymore in my life. But, but it doesn't mean that it's the same for everybody else. Somebody may try out teaching and not like that because of the kids being not good. And they may like labs and like how they provide certain freedoms for research which would be opposite for me, which I prefer teaching and interacting with people and just teaching them about it. But if or I cannot be in a lab, I just, ugh. So personally, no, I have never seriously thought on research, but at the same time, there's nothing stopping anybody from doing it. If I really wanted to, I could probably apply to some form of research and at least give it a shot. But I think I person in my path, at least as of now, seeing as I'm a junior going on senior, I got to at least have some semblance of knowledge of my life at this point. You still have a lot of time, would be my opinion. But also, I understand how you want to plan it out a little more now that you're becoming a senior very soon. So in terms of being a first gen in STEM, but especially in ecology, have you seen many other first gens in the space? Yes, but there hasn't really been that much of a talk in our field. It comes come up every now and then when we have projects requires to interact with parents and the like because parent because usually they'll have certain opinions that are necessarily align with us now that we go to college for different reasons. For example, global warming. We had to interview for one of my classes and her father just didn't really believe in all the climate change mumbo jumbo, quote unquote, even though he sent his daughter to Cornell to study ecology. 
So there has been, so of course that's, that's not the rule. It's more of an exception, but it has come up every now and then. But in terms of us being first gen, it doesn't really impact the whole much, at least among us. For my family, for example, they have always supported me. And at least in terms of climate change and the stuff that I study, they have been some sort of opinions similar to my own, even if mine are more informed now. So I am lucky in there that I didn't have that much conflict, but I know the people that, again, like my friend, just have parents that for some reason just didn't believe it and just actually caused conflict within their family because of how strongly they believed that it was just a government hoax or whatever. I, it just baffled me. So yeah, it was. I'd say the biggest impact in terms of being a first gen has been in a cross generation with families rather than among us because among us, well, we have an understanding like, hey, we're studying, at least in my case, climate change. So whether we're a first gen or or parents did go to college, what we're trying to do is make sure the world is not as messed up as it is right now. There definitely is a bit of a, I don't want to call it a challenge, but definitely a little bit of a friction when you want to bring in your family and your parents who may not have the opportunity to have the same experience as you did, academic experience especially, and also bringing them along your journey for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's just such a shift in views. It has caused some troubles for a few of my classmates and friends. For me, it hasn't, thankfully, because my parents, I don't know, they use more open minds. But it definitely has been controlled for some other first games that I know. Then on that note, do you have any advice for current high school students who's aspiring to be first gen in STEM especially? Okay, so what I would say, first of all, is that just because you're going into STEM doesn't mean you're going to stop learning English, history, humanities. Because a lot of people just think that, okay, I'm going to measure this and I'm going to have to touch English ever again. That's a lie. You have to do at least a bit of it. Granted, you're going to be doing more STEM now. You're going to be doing more of the sciences, more of mathematics and the like. But you're still going to have to do at least some humanities. The, the sooner you get them done, and you're done. So just think about that. You're going to still have to do some humanities, even if it's less. Just like if you were not doing STEM, you're still going to have to do some math, and even if you're going to have to do something else. So you still got to have at least a bit of roundedness because you got to know the context of what you're going into. Even if you just want to be a researcher, you got to know why you're researching stuff. You want to be a bank, you want to know the context of the economy. Not only that, but I would say, Give things a try. As per I've said a lot, it kind of just works out sometimes. Just give things a try. Why? Because you're going to find something that sticks and some things that don't stick. And you'll let everything else goes wrong. At least you'll know yourself a bit better in terms of what you want to do on the, fi- on the field. Not only that, but also just try different aspects of the STEM. Why? Because you're going to find things that you like about STEM, quote unquote me with ecology and teaching, and things you don't like, chemistry. So from there, you're going to find what you like when you don't so just keep trying also just because you're doing stem doesn't mean you have to be relegated to just that try out extra things for example clubs the debate team has basically nothing to do with stem but it helped me travel a lot i became national champion even though i'm not studying pre-law it'll also help you out have friends outside of stem because it's nice to have friends in stem but you also gotta have different perspectives i still have friends that are studying law so if i have been a lawyer at least i can i, have, I know someone to call on so there's that when you're applying to college at least have a semblance of an idea of where you want to get into because there's colleges that are better for STEM and colleges that are better for other things. For example, Cornell is really good with ecology programs. We have plans to be completely carbon neutral by 2030, and that can help because if you want to study about climate change, you want to be at Cornell or a similar place. That you want to, or maybe you want to be a doctor, which is false in STEM. You can go to John Hopkins. They're also great for medical programs. And just do a bit of research and at least know yourself a bit. You don't have to a concrete plan i didn't go in with any plan so just have an idea of what you want to do other than that don't let yourself be confined to 
the STEM stereotype. Thank you so much for those advice. I think especially the one message, if nobody took anything else out from this episode, would be to try things out and just give it a go. Yeah, definitely. You're gonna find something to work out, even if you don't think STEM is for you. At least give it a shot because you'll maybe find something that you like. And if you do think STEM is for you, well. Keep everything as a shot because you want to know what kind of STEM you want to do. You want to do research, you want to do banking, you want to do medicine. Maybe something that was not expected for you is going to be what sticks. I didn't know I was into education. Back in high school, I didn't particularly like my teacher sometimes. So try to branch out a bit. STEM is great, but it's not everything in life. Make some friends outside of STEM. Try a few things outside of STEM and then come back to STEM, but with a bigger, but with a bigger mindset. Thank you so much for all your answers and your time today, Ray. I think I pretty much covered all the questions that I had. Do you have anything else you'd like to say, or do you think there was anything I missed? Again, keep trying things, and if there's any recruits out there, please hire me. Cool. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Christian, for being on the show today. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hello there. My name is Christian Kian. I grew up in、uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was actually born in LA, which was great. Sadly, I didn't actually grow up there as much. I was only eight months old, and then my parents decided to move to Grand Rapids, Michigan. For me, I went to University of Michigan, and when I was growing up, I went to a public school called Innovation Center in High School. Can you tell us maybe a little bit more about how your journey as a first gen shaped your experience so far before college, during college, and after, just in general, a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the biggest things my experience as a first generation college student was searching for the right answers: how to apply to college, what is financial aid. Now I'm in college. What do I need to do in order to get good grades, but also balance? Both my mental health in college, just because I think one of the biggest things as first generation college students, and specifically in STEM, is that we're too focused on actually graduating. That sometimes we forget that we need to get mental health checks, whether that be going out and grabbing coffee for your friends, or just going to a psychologist friend uni- your university and just chatting with someone. That's something I highly highly suggest to people. Thank you for sharing your experience and advice. So now, jumping a little bit more into your actual academic experience in school, what did you major in college? So at University of Michigan, I majored in cognitive science, specifically in computational linguistics. So it's a combination of computer science and linguistics. The reason I chose that major is just because I actually went into a random linguistics class that I never expected would be interesting. And I find it fascinating how human beings are able to learn language. And one of my friends, Junius Murphy, told me that computer science is something you should look into. So I took my first EECS course. EECS is known at University of Michigan for all the electrical engineering and computer science courses. And I really loved the ability to build websites, the ability to build software without actually having to, you know. Physically buy products. You just need a computer, and you could develop anything. That's really cool. Random question though. You said you walked into a random linguistics class and you found the language acquisition part really interesting. Do you yourself speak another language else than English? Yes. So English is my second language. I grew up speaking Spanish. My parents are from Guatemala, and they immigrated to the United States for a better future. 
and they wanted to make sure that their kids went to college. So they taught me, you know, education is very important. I feel like a lot of the times the immigrant narrative really ties into a lot of our first generation student stories as well. Can you tell us a little bit about how you first envisioned cognitive science would be, and then what it was really like for you? When I thought about cognitive science, I was still in the middle between choosing whether to go in fully linguistics or fully computer science. The reason I chose this major is because one of my advisors said, "There's this new program building up within the university, a degree called cognitive science that tries to encompass linguistics, computer science, and economics." And I really was curious to know more about it, so I reached out. And cognitive science is still a new field that I think not many people heard of, just because no one expects linguistics to be integrated with computer science. Before going to college, did you ever think that you would major in something in the STEM field? Yes, it was mainly in the medical field. So I wanted to be a family doctor. So I would have done, you know, pre med. I think my major would have been biology. Or chemistry.、Uh, the goal of our high school was to get you prepared for college and also possible fields. And during my sophomore junior year of high school, I was able to go to a nursing program and understand how is it to be a nurse. And though it wasn't very、really、as in depth as it would be in college, I just got to understand more of like drawing up blood, measuring blood pressure, something I never imagined. And I was very You know, enthusiastic about becoming a doctor. I think ever since I was a little kid, and to this day, sadly, I did not become a doctor. But I do love the career I chose. It seems like you've always been very passionate about medicine. What tipped you over then towards cognitive science instead of medicine? My first year of college is what really defined it. Taking chemistry, taking mathematics, I and taking this random linguistics class that I just wanted to take it just because my friend said it was an easy A. That's pretty much the reason I randomly stumble upon this course. Showed me specifically that linguistics is something I'm more passionate about. I was doing good at chemistry, math. I was doing decent at, but I was finding more curious, more investigating, asking my professors more questions about what's linguistics, and that's something I wanted to encompass into my future career. And that's when one of my friends suggested computer science. Right after that. But the linguistics part was just per chance, and I think that's something I'm very happy that I just stumbled into. Going back a little bit more to your academic experience, what was it like? University of Michigan is one tough university, is known as the number one public university in the country. It varies each year, but for me, it was very challenging, just because I not only was a first generation college student, but my high school specifically. Though they did try their best to you know prepare you for college, was not college ready for University of Michigan level. They did their best to prepare me, but even still, then my first year I struggled a lot academically. Actually, I was put in probation my first year, second semester, just because I was taking I think Calc one and I bombed it, and that's something that I was very upset about. You know, I never failed a course before in high school. For me, I was one of those smart kids and. High school, I was like a salutatorian. I knew Michigan would be tough, but I didn't expect to be this tough. And for me, failing was one of the biggest things I learned in Michigan, and it was very tough academically. But the great part is that I persevered through the academics and made it out. And I think 
Michigan or any like top institutions are known to be economically challenging. But I think that's where, you know, if you persevere, you keep up your pace and make sure to balance your workload. I think that's what I learned. Just because many people who are first generation college students come in right away, which, no, I agree. I want to graduate in four years, but making sure you pace yourself at a healthy rate is something that we're not taught. But after my first year, I got better grades, improved, and year by year, I got grades that I was happy with. Thank you for sharing that story of the moment when you fail, because I think you need to be very honest and vulnerable with yourself to admit to it, but also see your own growth through it. Besides the academic part of your experience as a cognitive science major, were there any other internship or research opportunities that you participated in? Yeah, I participated in this program called Hacker Fellows. Funny story, a while back when I was in high school, I met this Hispanic man called Philippe. And Philippe Barrison's a great mentor. I really love him. Was one of my mentors who taught me, you know, the ability to ask questions and the ability to network. I think my high school taught me to reach out to people, but networking was never taught, even as a first generation college student. And he taught me how to network. And through my networking skills, after I graduated, I met someone called Sam. Sam introduced me to this program called Hackerfiles, which he created, which pretty much grabs all computer scientists within the Michigan area and pairs them up with startups around the Michigan area. The goal is to keep computer scientists in Michigan and not go to the Bay Area. And I think for me, I interned at Ripple Science during that program. And Ripple Science was one of my first internships coming in as a sophomore. And I was scared uh, just because this is my professional first internship. And that was something I never expected me doing my sophomore year. And it worked out well. Got to know the founder, great man. He produced software that was helping out other STEM field related researchers, which is super cool. And it was my first programming, like actual programming work. And I learned a lot. And I think those skills helped me out become a better student, but also become a better developer. Do you think experiences like that really led you towards developer direction? Yes. I think one of the biggest things I say is, I would always go out and research and get opportunities just because through those opportunities, you learn what you want to become, whether this career field is right for me or not. I think people graduate and are still searching for their field and internships actually give you the opportunities to not only do work, but also to learn from people who are in the industry and see how would you like to be like them after five years in that industry. For me, I saw the developers I was working with, and I imagine myself building software till I'm 40. I would highly suggest those who are interested in building software, find opportunities, or even make your own opportunities. I think that's something that people even forget. It's like you are a student and you have a lot of power because the worst thing they could say is no. And many people forget that students have leverage over professionals. It seems like you were pretty set on becoming a developer. Have you ever considered continuing education in graduate school or taking the academic route? Yes, I thought about going back for my master's, specifically mainly in machine learning and linguistics. Personally, I still find language very fascinating, but sadly in the work I'm doing, we don't focus highly in language, we focus more in software, which is still fine. I still love building things, but I really do have that passion for language. 
And so I do imagine myself going, either getting a master's or a doctorate in computational linguistics or machine learning, depending which route I want to go into. To give a little more context to our listeners who may not be as familiar with what it's like to be a developer, can you explain a little bit more about what you do today? Yeah, for sure. I currently work at Spectrum Health, which is located in Grand Rapids, Michigan, as a developer, a specifically a integrations developer. So what I do for my day-to-day job is I embed third-party web applications or third-party software into the hospital system. Specifically, my day-to-day is mainly building code, talking to my coworkers, but also talking to those who request the fixes. I think one of the biggest things that many people think when you graduate as a developer is that you won't be interacting with other people. Yes, you will be interacting with other individuals, and you need to make sure you have a great communication just because you would not only be communicating to your team, but also to those who have you know issues with their software. Can you tell us if you majoring in cognitive science had tangible, direct, transferable skills for you as you're working as a developer now? When it comes to the academic background, there were some courses within specifically the computer science X courses that helped me out actually prepare for you know, actually building software where I needed to know like the basic fundamentals of what is a function, what is an algorithm, what is a data structure. And how did you get to your first job or current job? I graduated January 2020 and COVID-19 around that time wasn't very talked about and the job market was still pretty steady. Sadly, when I was interviewing for lots of other positions around March, it's when everything went downhill for me professionally, just because many companies started to know recent offers, started to push their hiring just back a couple of months because COVID-19 was affecting them. And so that put me in an interesting situation where I didn't have a job right away after college. And I believe I'm not the only one. There was many other people who had offers but had rescinded. And I knew friends who had offers to great companies, but also lost their opportunity just because of COVID-19. And for me, that's something that I never expected professionally to ever go through. And at the beginning of June, July, even though I was still job searching, my dad wanted to start his own small business. So during that time, I was still building software just to make sure I keep up to my skills. But I had more free time, so I decided to help my old man out and start his own business while I actually applied to jobs. And I think during that time, I was a painter, so I actually started a small painting company, which is still going on till this day. Uh, I just manage it overnight and just talk to the clients via email or text. And for the first couple of months, I was working 40 hours a week painting new homes, our old homes, industrial complexes. So, you know, I never expected myself going from a student developer to a painter right away. But I think during my painting days, I was very, very driven to get a job. And I think that drive of getting a job led me to getting different offers right around September once everything was getting down more. Once the vaccine was running out, I think companies started to notice that we need to hire people. And even though I had great offers to go out of state, I decided to stay in Grand Rapids because COVID-19 has been devastating families and I wanted to stay close to mine. So I decided to search for jobs in the Michigan area. And then, weirdly enough, one day I was painting, I got this 
job offer for Spectrum right when I was just finishing up like one of my walls and they called me saying, we have an offer for you. And I was enthusiastic about it. I jumped in joy. I was very happy to have the opportunity given to me. And it's one of those things where I never expected myself to be happy in the middle of a construction site uh, that I got a job offer. And it's something I humbled myself. I come from a low socioeconomic status. So my family wasn't financially stable. And for me, that was something to know that I went from you know a low socioeconomic status to middle class. And that's something that I was enthusiastic about. I'm glad that COVID has been difficult for everyone, but still you were able to find a job and stay close to your family and start your professional career as a developer. Do you think you deciding to major in cognitive sciences in one of the STEM fields has helped you really transition your experience in terms of your socioeconomic status or your life in general? Yes, great question. I think it's changed a lot. I think one of the biggest things going up, I was never rich. My friend was never rich. And, you know, we had to budget a lot. And that's something I learned, which is be cheap and survive with what you got. <laughs> and first, I think I learned that through actually my first year in college. I was broke for a whole month. And I had the decision between paying rent or getting evicted and I decided to pay rent so and for a whole month I had this unhealthy diet of just eating ramen noodles which was one of the budgeting struggles and I think for me I really never wanted to go back to that situation where I was a freshman student who didn't budget properly where I had to choose between my rent or food and I think now I earned enough where I not only could afford good healthy meals but I make sure that I still budget just because I want to make sure I have build a safe investment for my retirement. I think that's something as first-gen college students that I'm very scared about is that I know peers who are not budgeting correctly and not saving right now. I agree that I sometimes want to, you know, spoil myself. And if you come from low socioeconomic status, we forget that growing up, we didn't have this lifestyle and we want to now get this new lifestyle. And for me, I've been reading different books of financial stability. What does it mean to be financially independent? I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned, which is to make sure you have a budget saved for the future. Just because my goal when I was growing up is to not let my kids go through what I went. You bring up a lot of really good points. Besides your mentor, maybe are you a part of any professional organizations or any other STEM network that has helped you in your journey? I participated in SHIP, which is Society of Hispanic Engineers, but I really wasn't as proactive as I was during college, just because I think for me, I was focusing more on the entrepreneurship side. So I don't really have that great professional network, as you would call it. But I do have something similar, which is called Optimize. It's a student org within Michigan that's been expanding to Eastern Michigan University and it's also expanding to Wayne State University. And so this is a group of innovators who are looking to change the world. And the question that asks is, why not me? I think that's one of the biggest things that made me join their student org. And though it's not professional STEM field related, I would say that most individuals who had chat there were from STEM field majors. Though I didn't get to participate with other professionals in the SHIP conference, I really think that gave me the opportunity to not only build software, but also meet people who are innovators, who are actually trying to do something in their college years. 
because I think one of the biggest things we do is we try to go more academic, which is fine. I agree that academics are important, but sometimes we forget that there's other opportunities that you could build yourself. Piggybacking a little bit from that, do you have any advice that you would like to give first gens that want to study STEM in college? One of the biggest things that I learned going to STEM is perseverance. You might fail a class or two, which is totally fine. You just have to go through it next semester and retake that course. And I think people are scared you know, or ashamed to even talk about failing. I know when I failed my first calc, I cried just because I failed. And I called my dad that I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could become a computer scientist just because I thought I wasn't smart enough. And I think... That doubt you might have in yourself, don't listen to it. I think just keep on going, learning, and also reaching out for help. I think that's one of the biggest things is first-generation costumes. We tend to you know, have this mentality, it's me versus the world. Just because we grew up struggling, we grew up with parents who never actually know what college is, or parents who don't even speak the same languages you grew up with. Uh, my parents didn't speak English at all, they only speak Spanish. So they didn't even know the concept of college. And that's something that I would say is don't give up. Reach out to your peers. Reach out to your counselors. Just reach out to anyone. People are there to listen. And people forget that you have friends who are willing to give you a hand when you're struggling. And I think that was one of the biggest things I learned my sophomore junior year, which is I reached out to my friends who were taking harder classes and telling them I'm struggling. What can I do? For those first-generation college students who are graduating, my advice for them is, I agree, you have to spoil yourself a bit. But also think about the future. That's something where we forget. We're in a professional setting. We're earning three times or four times more than our parents. But we forget that finances are important. I would say maybe look into what is your finance goals. And I think that's something no one taught us growing up, which is, what do I want to be financially independent or like at least financially secured when I retire? Just because we think about the now and not the future. Thanks for sharing those advice for both high school students and college students um, graduating and afterwards as well. I have a quick question also. Did you ever participate in any kind of you know youth program that's STEM focused? Yes, I did. It was called OsteoChamps. So that is through Michigan State University. They pair you up with medical students and who are studying in osteopathic medicine at the Michigan State University Medical School. And when I was a high school student, I thought I wanted to become a doctor, so I joined that program. And the great part about that program during my year, it was all free. And I got to live on campus, got to study a bit of what they learned, more of like an easier level writing very hard but I was actually exposed to professionals who are becoming doctors and they told us of their struggles and also what it was to mean to become a doctor and I really appreciated that opportunity just because I to this day think about those times where I get great ice cream from them because uh, Michigan State is known to have great ice cream but also more of if I saw people who were my background who were Latinos who were there getting their medical degree if they can do it, I can do it as well. Well, thank you so much today for sharing all your stories and especially those more vulnerable moments throughout your academic career and about your family as well. We really enjoyed having you on the show. And thank you so much for your time today. In this episode, we talked about some of the challenges and unique experiences first-generation students in STEM go through. 
As Man, Ray, and Christian have mentioned, majoring in STEM can open up various career opportunities ranging from engineering to teaching to coding. However, giving yourself the opportunity to try out different fields of studies and career options can be just as important as picking a major and a career choice is. If you're currently considering majoring in STEM or not sure what you might want to study, hopefully you can think of it as an opportunity to learn more about different academic fields and what you like and don't like. Thanks again to our speakers, and thank you for tuning in today on How to College for First Gens. As always, you can find us online at howtocollegefirstgen.org if you have any questions or feedback as we want to hear what you think, what you're struggling with, and how we can help. If you prefer to reach us on social media, you can find us at How to College First Gen on Instagram and Facebook and HTC First Gen on Twitter. Remember, you're not alone in this journey. Until next time.